Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Well, we're in the I Love My City series. How many of us love San Diego? Hey, listen, I love San Diego before the Padres had ever won anything. Because when we got here 11 years ago, they had never won anything. Finally, we decided to leave for Boise, and the Padres start winning. But we love this city. We love it. We love it. We feel it's our job to change it and shift it. But let me say something about the city of San Diego. It needs a lot of help. It's not good enough for us to just have a great religious expression. God's calling the church to be impactful and influential in every sphere of this city. Let me say that again. God's calling us and needing us to be impactful in every sphere of this city. And when I look around this city, I see a whole lot of things that actually still need to be shaken up. The name of this message is When Cities Shake. What I love about God is he knows how to shake evil out of culture. God has never met evil that has intimidated him. He's never met a tyrant. He's never met a ruler. He's never met a, a, a nation that he couldn't shake out of power. And when I look around California, I see things that look unshakable. I see elections that look unwinnable. Like in my natural eye, it looks like, well, what's the point? It looks inevitable that evil just grows and increases and enlarges. And these must be the end times, brother, just waiting for Jesus to come back. And we, what happens is we get fatalistic when we start, and we think it's spiritual to complain. We think it's spiritual to whine and complain and predict that the enemy's rising and things are getting worse. But God needs a church that recognizes the rhetoric of the day, the giant of the day, runs to the battle and says, I'm bringing what I got, bang, taking some stuff down. Now, 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 you on your best day without God cannot address the things that are in this city. We, we can't, I'm telling you, um, the evil that's here is strong. It requires somebody that defeated it. I happen to know somebody. His name is Jesus. Yeah, you know what it says? On the cross, he made a public spectacle of darkness. He actually likes a little fight. And you know what? He likes a little fight in you. Can I share a couple of scriptures? I feel a little life in here. I leaned over to Pastor John and I was like, I feel a little nervous. I think something's about to happen. Listen, God so much wants to make some things happen in your life, through your life. He doesn't just want you blessed. He wants you impactful. He wants you to be a blessing. 
He wants you to be an impact, not just impacted, but impactful. You know, the power of God wasn't just meant to touch you. It was meant to use you. Where are you meant? Where are you set, positioned, wired, engineered to be a conduit of life and power? The days we're in require you to engage, to come to the, in, to the table, to the invitation, to step into life so I can go into battle with strength. I don't know about you, but when the whole city is shaking, when the whole world is shaking, when the whole economy is shaking, when the whole political system is shaking, when the whole educational system is shaking, you and I cannot afford to shake along with it. Okay, I'm going to try to get through some scriptures and five points. Good luck. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Ash. Um, I want to start with Haggai, one of my favorite prophets, Haggai. What I love is prophets who entered into the scene when society had lost its Christian or uh, Judeo influence, and as a result, because of their idolatry, because of their perversion, because walking away from the covenant of God, they end up in a mess. They end up with all kinds of things running and governing and occupying their territory that were never meant to be there, but then God is still interested in restoring. He's always interested in restoring things back to the way he originally intended it. Okay, that's what Jesus came to do. He came to buy you back to the way God originally wired you to be. He actually made you in his image, and his likeness. He intended you to work and function and be fruitful. Multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. We surrendered our right in the garden, and therefore we've been cowardly walking around just hoping to get to heaven one day. Jesus came to give you more than heaven. He came to give you life, and he came to give you function. Okay, so what I like about this prophet is he shows up, and he's, he has to address fallen society. L let me just tell you. When your education system is pushing transgender on kindergartners and drag queens, that's called a fallen society. That's called fallen culture, okay? And our job is to partner with God to shake evil out of the city and then reintroduce righteousness so the people rejoice. That's our job, that's our job. Nobody said it would be easy, but who wants easy anyway? Easy's lame. There's no reward for easy. There isn't any. Okay, let's go. Haggai 2, we're going to read 2, 6 through 8, and then again 2, 21 through 23. Let's read it together. Okay, for this is what the Lord of heaven's army says in just a little while. I will, I will. Hear this, when you see evil afoot in the cities of America, look to God who has a desire to shift and shake evil, okay? I will shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans, and the dry land. Let's try to make this snappy if we could. Let's give it up for our production team. Let's go. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Mm-hmm. I will shake all the nations... And the treasures of the nations will be brought to the temple. That means the righteous, there's a great transfer of wealth that we can be a part of if we believe in and partner with God, or we can sit back on the sidelines and just whine and complain. 
and just say, oh, okay, Sarah, Sarah, well, if it's God's will, I guess it would just happen. Or we can participate in what he wants to happen. Brought to the temple, I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. This, well done. Let's go. This is what God says. You may look around at the landscape and see that the wicked hold the wealth, but I'm going to tell you there's somebody else stronger, capable of dislodging it from the perverse and the wicked. If we will participate with him and the strength of our God, we will dispossess everything that belongs to us. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Let's go to verse 23, or pardon me, 21. Again, this is a couple months later. Sometimes God needs to say the same thing to his people. Have you ever needed him to say the same thing to you? He already told you. I was telling John this morning when I was praying, I like knew that I knew that I knew that this was the word. But then I showed up here and I was like, I don't know if it is. It feels crazy. It feels off. It just, I don't know. And I needed him to tell me again that this is what he had to say. He said, tell Zerubbabel, the governor. Wow, I like that. God doesn't just talk to the pastors? You mean that there's other people in culture that God speaks to? I don't have to go to the priest for my little confessional and just, are you with me? God wants to speak to you in your office, in your business, in your educational job. Wherever you are, he wants to speak to you. He shows up and he tells Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, that I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow, get this, I will overthrow royal thrones and destroy the power of foreign kingdoms. I will overturn their chariots and their riders. The horses will fall and their riders will kill each other. But when this happens, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will honor you, Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, my servant, and I will make you like a signet ring on my finger, says the Lord. In other words, I'll give you authority, for I've chosen you, I, the Lord of heaven's army, have spoken. Listen, listen, listen. We're going to get into this message, but there is no evil ever on the planet that can stand against God when he rises to shake the earth. There just is nothing that is capable of withstanding him when he determines it's time to shake. But he does need a people to participate and partner. Say what he says. Do what he does. What if Zerubbabel just didn't believe what God told him? You see, it takes a lot of faith to say what God says. All right, let's go to Hebrews. Since John was in Hebrews, I figured I'd go into Hebrews 12, verse 26 through 29, and then we're going to get into this message. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. There is a power that shakes cities. There's a power. We have to understand this. Yes, God's given us a free will, and we do have to choose to follow him and honor him, but he's also providential and sovereign, and when he can marry your free will to his providence, that's where the earth shifts and shakes, okay? Um, Don't think it's all up to you. Don't think it's all up to him. It's a good partnership. God spoke from Mount Zion, and his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise once again, once again. In other words, I've done this before. This isn't the first time I've dealt with tyranny. I'm not intimidated by tyranny, but once again, I will deal with it. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all creation will be shaken and removed so that only 
unshakable things will remain. Get this, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. Aren't you glad this is a pretty ridiculously powerful God we serve? Okay, well, let's dive into this a little bit. My first point is that you and I, when things shake, and we need things to shake, you and I need to be a part of an unshakable kingdom, an unshakable life. That means we're on the bedrock of Christ. We're not dependent on the economies of the world. We're not dependent on the systems of the world. We have pulled ourselves. Now, listen, listen, listen. We are still in the world. We're just not of it. Don't, don't think we're trying to pull you out of the world. You're the salt and the light of the world. You have to be in there to preserve it and to protect it and illuminate it and point the right direction. It's imperative that we're in the world. We're just not of it. You and I have been sent to restore things that are broken. And as things shake and things are shaking and as things break and things are broken, and we are living in a culture where there is massive amounts of fallout. And I want us to understand something. God needs the righteous in authority, absolutely, but our primary mission is to serve and restore people. Now, if we could get the righteous in authority, we would have a whole lot less restoring to do. You with me? But there's a lot of fallout in our kids right now because the foundation of marriage and family has been not just damaged through divorce, but damaged through the ideology of culture. We're being taught in our culture that the nuclear family is not important anymore. It's actually not the only way, it's not the best way. When you, when culture, when society, when cities lose the nuclear family, they have no foundation any longer. Study history and you will discover that the loss of the nuclear family is the loss of the culture and the nation. There's a lot on the line right now. We need wickedness shaken, shaken in our nation, shaken. But then we need to step in and fix and restore things that aren't functioning properly. Yes. I love... Uh, Dana Piper, are you in here, Dana? Um, listen, she's on a mission to restore the family. And she's taken on the big, bad Planned Parenthood. Evil, insidious, perverse, wicked, not for women. Not at all for women. Not for women's rights. Come on. It's a joke. It's a sham. It's evil. And it's not just human. Our little Dana strong in God, called by God, has chosen to take down and shut Planned Parenthoods down one at a time. So, now hear me, hear me, hear me. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so she's invited, she's invited to the task of tearing things down and shaking things up. And I want us to know that Awaken has a responsibility and assignment to shake things that are wicked. That's why we show up at men's prayer on Tuesday morning. We show up to shake the earth. We show up to shake the wicked. We show up to dispossess things that should not be destroying what we value so much, our beautiful city. But then simultaneously, we live in tension with shaking evil out of the earth and then rebuilding righteousness in the earth. So what I love about Dana Piper is she's not just closing down Planned Parenthoods, but she's rebuilding 
clinics where women can come in and get real counseling. They are scared. They are nervous. It's not just shutting down evil voices. It's offering alternatives that are healthy and righteous and loving and kind. You see what I mean? Uh, Hear us, hear us, hear us. At Awaken, we will destroy evil. We will fight it. We will shake it. We will partner with God to bring it down and dislodge it. Simultaneously, we will be the instruments of restoration in our city, rebuilding education, rebuilding politics, rebuilding everything that's broken, and everything's broken! (laughs) There's never been a greater need for you and me. What I love about God is he can take a Dana who has a passion for the family and the unborn. You know, I, I have a passion for it, but it's not my bent. It's not my wiring. But guess what? There's plenty that I can do with my bent and my wiring. God isn't asking you to be somebody you're not. He just wants you. He's inviting you in to know him and then be a part of the work. This is the greatest days ever if you're a part of the winning side. You're going to see things with your eyes and do things with your life that will stagger you because God's going to use you. The eyes of the Lord to and fro throughout the entire earth longing to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal and dedicated to him. That means I don't have to be perfect. It just means I got to keep offering my heart and my life and rededicating it. I've dedicated it plenty. I'm rededicating it in this season. This season's crazier than I can remember. I don't remember a season this crazy. I don't remember a fight this big. I don't remember devils this strong. I don't remember them. All I got to do, though, as the day goes, so shall your strength be. That's what these altars are for. They're not for you to commiserate. I had another bad day. Oh, I need the... Okay, if you had a bad day, fine. Well, there's mercy here, but there's also grace here. You know what grace is? Grace is strength for your assignment. That means God has something for you to do. Sure, he wants to pick you up and get you going again, of course. He's a good God. He's a loving father. He's for you. He cares about you when your heart hurts. He cares about you when you make mistakes. You're going to make them. Your heart's going to hurt. It's part of humanity. Welcome to the earth. When you come to the altar, yeah, get your heart fixed because it's hard to change the world when you're bitter or hurt or, or, you know what I mean? I mean, come on, and it's real, it's real, it's real. But more than forgiveness and healing, God wants to empower you. He wants to use you and activate you. How's that sound? This okay? Okay, let's keep moving. Uh, I want to talk about holy obsession. If you didn't notice, I've snatched the acronym SHAKE, and I feel like God speaks through acronyms. (laughs) I just do. I just, for some reason, if I have an acronym, I just feel closer to him. Not saying he speaks to you that way, but he speaks to me that way. And I want to talk a little bit about holy obsession and what that means. And you see, the beautiful thing about um, this journey with God is a lot of, we've really evolved as a church. We've really come forward into what God wants to do in the earth. And we just found that he speaks to governors. I was in a season where the only people God spoke to was pastors and missionaries. Have anybody come out of religion where like the high call of God is you have to surrender, probably go to a country you don't want to go to. Where do I hate? I don't want to go to Bosnia. (laughs) Call that 
Call that man to Bosnia. I'm so pleased when you do things you do not like. That, that was like what I was introduced to. Like the more I despised it and the, the worse I was at it, the more God got glory. Have you ever heard that? His strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, he wired you amazing, but he wants you to not do any of that stuff. He wants you to do something you suck at because he's glorified by your misery. Like, I think what helped me come out of that is I just had kids. And I was like, I don't think that way about my kids, and I'm an average father. Like, I know he's a good father and a loving father. He hates it when I'm doing things I suck at. I want you to know when I watch my kids do things they suck at, I want them to stop. I don't want them to keep going. I'm not glorified by that. I take no delight in that. I don't enjoy that. There's no part of that I like. But when I see them doing things they're good at and they're wired and that recharge them and that they love and that benefit the people around them. Listen, when you're doing things you suck at, no one benefits. He's a good God. He's not weird. He's not wacko. He doesn't have some weird need for approval and he has to put you through some kind of strange thing to get glory out of it. He's just not insecure. He's, cap- he's actually comfortable with you winning. He's comfortable with you being obsessed about things. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can be obsessed about him and about other stuff. As long as he's first, you can give your heart to all kinds of good stuff. In fact, if you don't learn how to be obsessed, you'll probably not get anything done. But religion will suck obsession out of you. It'll actually try to say the only thing you can love is him. When he's created you with so much capacity that your love with him conduits power to be getting other things done that you actually enjoy. So we've been obsessed with business. We're obsessed with politics. We're obsessed with all kinds of things. And so I want to talk about one of my favorite holy obsession stories in the history of holy obsessions. And there's some good ones. It's this guy's name is George Washington Carver. Anybody ever heard of this guy? Okay, he's one of the greatest, greatest, greatest heroes in American history. What I love about him is he brought a lot of life to his city when it had been shaken by economic difficulty and struggle. Now, he's renowned for coming up with over 200 uses for the common peanut or almond, okay, and also 100 uses for the sweet potato. But we don't know why. You see, his city was in turmoil. The economy was shut down because he was in the cotton industry. He was born in the South, okay? And the cotton industry was everything. It wasn't just jobs. It was the full economy. And it was shut down because they couldn't figure out why cotton wasn't growing anymore. You know what I love about George Washington Carver? He was a man of God. He was a Christian. And he liked soil. He didn't just like soil. Come on, he was obsessed with soil. He actually felt closer to God when he was touching soil. God wasn't nervous about that. God actually liked that. You know why? Because there was a soil problem. And God needed somebody who was actually obsessed with soil of all things so he could use him to bring deliverance to the city that was having economic problems. 
So he realized quickly that the soil had lost all its nitrogen, all its nutrients, and therefore it was no longer capable of producing cotton plants. And so because he was obsessed with soil, he started tinkering with it. That's what you do when you're obsessed with things. You just never stop messing with them. And so he started introducing all kinds of different plants. And it just turns out the peanut and the sweet potato grew like crazy in the soil that didn't have nitrogen in it. But it also, when it was done, it restored the soil back to where cotton could grow again. Interesting, huh? He's the first, one of the first people to introduce crop rotation to America. But here he went from hero to zero pretty quickly because now he has barns and warehouses and barns and warehouses full of, you guessed it, peanuts. And after about a month, he had barns and and warehouses full of rotting peanuts. But because he didn't just have a passion for the soil, he had a passion for his creator, his engineer, the one who wired him. And his favorite place to encounter God was in the cool of the day. He would get up at 4 a.m. and walk through the forests get up at 4 a.m. and just spend time with God and ask questions. And he's talking to God about peanuts. He's like, God, I have a problem. I have barns and warehouses full of rotting peanuts. And now all the people that depended on him to bring cotton back are like thinking like, what's your solution here? He says, God, I need your help. And God says, you don't have barns and warehouses full of peanuts. He's like, listen, we just walked through them, God. Okay, is this a trick question? Are you trying to, what are you trying to do to me here? He says, we have rotting peanuts. And God says, no, you don't. He says, you have barns and warehouses full of gums and resins and proteins and sugars. And what I want you to do is disassemble them out of their current condition and then reassemble them into products. God can use your holy obsession. Even if it's weirder than soil. Even if you're thinking about things like soil or food products or flooring in my case. like God can take anything that you happen to be obsessed with as long as you present it to him and you align your life with his call on you to impact and bless and benefit and bring life into the city. He can use anything. Even soil. My question to you is what, what are you passionate about? What are you obsessed with? What's your thing? God's not wanting you to lay down what you love. He's wanting you to surrender it to him. He wants to use it. He wants to put life on it. Yeah, there might be some things in you that need some work and some attention. Sure, me too. Probably George Washington Carver as well. There is no hero in history that didn't have some surrendering to do. Just think, I just want you to know, if you surrender the things you love most to God, he's not going to take them from you. He's just not that way. Wow. Give it up for George Washington Carver. Did you ever think you'd be so inspired by a botanist? Uh, One last thing, and... I don't know how I'm going to get through these last three points. Um, 
I want to talk a little bit about, well, I'm going to give them to us. How about I do that? And then we'll just see where this ends up. Then I can at least say we got through shake. Shake. Because God is looking to shake things. He just doesn't want you to shake. He's not into shaking you. He doesn't shake his kids. He's desperate for you to get on the unshakable foundations of him so that he can get to work about destroying and disrupting the wicked. But if you're all mixed in and tied in with what the world is and you're all interconnected and all your belief system and your all ideology is no different than the world system, then you're very shakable and you're actually probably withholding what God wants to do because he loves you so much. He's probably relented on destroying evil a lot because we're so wrapped up in the systems of this world. And he's trying to pull us out of this world system so he can shake it and then have us go back in and reestablish righteous leadership. Does that make sense? So we're gonna go through adversity's advantage, king's language, and how you and I need to have equity in heaven. I don't know how we're gonna do all three of those, John. Which one do you like? You tell me. You know what? Um, let's, do, <laughs> let's, let's do adversity real quick. 2020, anybody feel any shaking? Anybody shaking? I remember I had a friend come over for what I thought was supposed to be a prayer meeting, and it turned into a complaining meeting. and. Um, and it was all about how all these buildings um, and hotel chains were gonna be shut down and we're in the construction builders, we build hotels and multifamily properties, that's what we do. And we found out like after that prayer meeting where my faith was supposed to be built, I left like, oh my gosh, sick to my stomach. And for about three weeks, I couldn't shake. I couldn't shake being shaken. I was in complete fear. I mean, our payroll, not our payroll, but our expenses are about a million dollars a week. And so we're like, if our building shut down, like, like you just start, have you ever like used your imagination to go down the wrong road? <laughs> I know you probably haven't done that. Let me just tell you, it's not very fun, okay? It's, it's not enjoyable. And if you spend enough time meditating on fear and anxiety, you can go a long way pretty fast. And you can pretty much come to the end of yourself. You really can imagine, in about 10 minutes time, laying in bed, you can imagine yourself jumping off a bridge or something. You know what I mean? You, you really can, you really can, if you let fear and anxiety govern your life. And that's where I was. I started wishing I never owned a company. I'm <laughs> just saying, like, uh, be careful what you ask for because adversity will shake you. And I was very shaken. And, but thank God I went to a church called Awaken. And we were doing a series called Faith Over Fear. That's great preaching, but I needed some faith. And I was in fear. I'm just being honest with you. I was in complete and utter fear. I was shaken. The world was shaking and I was shaking right along with it. But what I loved is being in a church in an environment where I knew that wasn't God's will and I needed to learn how to exchange my anxiety. And I want you to know right now, you could be shaking. You could be experiencing some tribulation and some tremors in your life, in your relationships, in your marriage with your kids, with something that's very important to you. You could be like I was. 
it, really for three weeks, I've been, in, I've been in situations where I've been in high anxiety for three months. And sometimes it's my fault that I haven't figured out how to get to where I need to get to exchange anxiety and the shakable condition of my heart. Anybody been in a place where you feel a little shaken? You don't feel steady. You need circumstances to change for you to feel better. Anybody? Let me tell you something, that's not the answer. That's not an unshakable condition. There actually is a God that you can access that can steady you before your circumstances shift. And our prayer, because, because, if you need circumstances to change for you to be at peace, then you'll never be a change agent. The only way you can be a person who brings disruption or brings change is when you're not shakable by what's shaking everybody else. You only have authority to bring peace if you're at peace. And if you need the world to be at peace, for you to be at peace, you are not in a position of strength. Shoot. There's grace tonight to come out of being shaken. I know it, I've been there. I've been there. Don't stay there. And you know what it was? Part of me likes being a victim sometimes. It's easier. It takes less responsibility. I don't have to get up and pray. I don't have to do things. I don't have to shift the weight. I, I don't have to have the hard conversation. I kind of like being a victim sometimes. I just don't like the outcome of victimhood. I've never been inspired by a victim. Never seen a victim do a whole lot of good for the city they're called to. But I've seen a whole lot of victims shake right alongside it. Come on, let's lay that victim card. You got a hand? Hey, come on, you got four aces and a victim card. <laughs> and you're folding. Let's trade the victim card in tonight. God's got a card for you that works in your hand. It's called grace. Okay, the king's language and equity in heaven. We're gonna just do the king's language. Equity in heaven means that um, God's, paid a price. Have you ever had equity in your home? Thank God you had equity in your home, John, when you sold it. Because that means you have something now in the bank. I've had homes that had no equity in them. <laughs> I couldn't sell them because I owed money. <laughs> That's not equity. God wants you to have equity in heaven. Equity in heaven. That means there's resources backing you. Yeah, Adam gave up the most real estate in the history of the world, but Jesus got it back. So you and I have equity. We have equity to do business. Okay, but I'm gonna end with the king's language because if we don't wanna be shaken, we have to enter into the other side of the equation where we become shakers, shakers of evil. And I'm just gonna give us a few Proverbs. This is from my devotion this morning. When I was all fired up, John, and I knew I had the word of the Lord. I'm back there again though. Come on, man, I'm back there again. I know this is the word. I'm gonna end with this, the king's language. You see, listen. Your language will locate you. Circumstances will stir up what's in your heart. Sometimes you and I have the victim card in our heart. Whining, complaining, bitterness, frustration, unbelief. Your language locates you. But if you and I want to be people that are partnering with God to bring shift and shake to this city, we have to let our language speak like the king. Proverbs 10, 9. Let's read these. People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be 
exposed. So you gotta realize what we're doing here is we're looking at the city. Make sure your voice and your speech lines up with God's word because he's getting ready to shake the wicked out of evil places and strong places and influential places. He's getting ready to do it. Do your words line up with his word? Okay, let's do 27. Fear of the Lord lengthens one's life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. You might have been in this city for a little while now, but your days are numbered. Do you speak like that? Because that's what kings speak like. Let's do 29. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to those with integrity, but it destroys the wicked. And then finally, verse 30. The godly will never be disturbed. Another word for disturbed might be shaken, but the wicked will be removed from the land. That's how kings speak. That's how you and I need to learn to speak. Let your language locate you, but then adjust your language to begin to speak like a king. Can you stand up with me? I love our church. We're here to shift things. First thing I want to do is invite anybody who needs an alignment with God. You need to come out of victimhood. You need to come out of poverty thinking, negative thinking, mindsets that have limited or hindered your, the ability of God to use you. And if you're in here right now and you realize you're not somebody that God can fully use because you're not in full alignment with him. Can I just show a hands of anybody? Can you just be honest with me? Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate all the hands. Can we give people a clap for just being honest, authentic? Okay, you're gonna have all kinds of seasons where you realize you could be in a better position to be used by God. What we do is we break contract with where we are. It's called repentance. It means it's not only that I see where I'm going is the wrong direction, but I actually turn around and I'm gonna start heading in the right direction. So can we pray together real quick, all of us who just raise our hand. Repeat after me, we're all gonna pray. We're all gonna pray. Father God, I realize you're really good and really strong and really powerful and you really love me. I turn away from every mindset, every heart condition, every negative thing that I've been believing, expecting, I turn away from it. I break contract with victimhood and I enter in to contract, to covenant with the God of the universe, with the God who shakes cities, with the God who makes me unshakable. I welcome your grace. I welcome your cleansing, your shifting, your love, your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.